One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, if you have your Bible today, would you grab it with me and turn to the book of Joshua? The book of Joshua. Yes, we're still in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua chapter 8. Uh, it'll move quickly from here, I can tell you this. If you've ever read through the book of Joshua, uh, the, the opening chapters of Joshua are very exciting. The last couple of chapters of Joshua are very significant. Uh, the, uh, the, the middle of the book reads with the excitement of a legal document. Okay, it, it is, uh, this person gets this place, this person gets this place. So it's going to move quickly uh, from here. Uh, but we're going to pick up in Joshua chapter 8 this morning. And uh, if you have your Bible, I encourage you to look on. Uh, I'm actually just going to read Joshua chapter 8 verse 1. I'd encourage you this week, read the whole chapter. But today I'm just going to read uh, verse 1 to kind of set the stage uh, for what we want to talk about today. Joshua chapter 8 verse 1. It says this, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. God, we thank you that even though we're just reading one verse, God, we thank you, Lord, that it is living and active. And God, today we pray that more than us just reading your word, God, we pray that your word would read us. Father, we pray that there would be an effect of your word in our hearts, God, that we would be open, Lord, that we would be filled with faith, God, that we would lean in, Lord, to receive what you have for us. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful plan, the wonderful purpose, God, that you have for each and every one of us. And Lord, as we, as we continue in this passage today, God, I pray, Lord, that faith would rise up in our hearts to receive everything you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're calling this series that we've been in Possessing the Land, Possessing the Land. And of course, that kind of runs parallel. There's a lot of similarities to kind of where we are as a church and uh, the journey and the season that we're in. Uh, but really, that, this whole book is about a whole lot more than the land. Uh, this whole book is, is about a whole lot more than just a group of people getting into a certain place. It's actually uh, about a group of people uh, taking hold of the purpose of God, the plan that God has for them. Uh, I've said it this way, that if you want a, a big idea for the whole book of Joshua, it is this, that uh, when God saves us, he doesn't just save us from something, he saves us for something. Uh, a lot of people know what they're saved from, uh, saved out of bondage to sin, saved out of their past life. And, and how many of you know, if that's all that God did for us, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. That's great. But God has a whole lot more for us than just being saved out of something. He actually has a purpose, a plan, a destiny that we are saved for. And I believe this, that many people actually live far below the, the fullness of the grace of God because they think that salvation is just about getting them out of sin so they can go to heaven when they die. Now, that's wonderful news. And if you were on your deathbed today, I would tell you, that's good news, that if you put your faith in Jesus, you can go to heaven when you die. But I don't know about you, I'm not planning to go there today. 
<laughs> and, and that means this, that, that God has something for us here. God has a reason that he's put us on the earth. God has saved us. The Apostle Paul says, saved us and called us with a holy calling. The scripture says this, that he's prepared good works in advance that we should walk in them. And so that's what we're talking about. How do we, uh, how do we move into the purpose of God? And we're looking at these keys out of the book of Joshua to learn how to move into everything that God has for us. And today I want to talk to you about overcoming defeat. Overcoming defeat. In fact, as we read this verse in Joshua, if you understand the context and, and you remember what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you, you remember that we find Israel uh, really on the back of a horrible defeat. Uh, they had been on a winning streak. They had crossed the Jordan River. Uh, they had taken over Jericho, the first city in Canaan, and they were on a winning streak. And then they went against Ai, and they were a little overconfident as they went against Ai. And if you remember the story, as Israel went against Ai, they suffered a horrible defeat. In fact, not only were they defeated, they were driven back. The Bible says that they were running. And there were 36 men that were killed. And in Joshua chapter 7, Joshua says, God, why did you bring us here? Why didn't you just leave us back on the other side of the Jordan? And so they are defeated. They are uh, they, they are. Uh, deflated. They are discouraged. The, the purpose that they felt that God had for them has now been delayed as they're trying to kind of regroup. And, and I don't know about you, but I've had a few days like that. Anybody ever had a day like that? Uh, I mean, a, a day that you feel like, you know, you were deflated, defeated, yeah. defunct, uh, <laughs> delayed, <laughs> discouraged, all of those words and a few other D words that I won't mention today, but I think every single one of us has had those kinds of days and perhaps those kinds of seasons. And that's where Joshua was. Joshua, this man that had been called by God, this man that was a leader of God's people, now the, the Bible says that he just feels defeated. And, and that's the context that this verse that we read out of Joshua chapter 8 comes, is in this place of defeat. And I think that's... Uh, Telling for every single one of us because uh, I, I believe God is wanting us to know that in the life of faith, every single one of us will face defeats. Every one of us will face discouragement. Every one of us will face delays and, and things that would cause us to just want to give up on the purpose of God and the plan of God for our lives. Now, I'd love to tell you that when you put your faith in Jesus, that life is just, you know, uh, one big winning streak. But how many of you have been saved long enough to know that that's not how it always goes? And I believe this, that um, certainly, as in the case of Joshua and Israel, there are things that we can do that can help us to avoid unnecessary defeat. When we obey God, life works the way that he intended more often. But the fact is that sometimes we're affected even by the failures, the mistakes of other people, as Joshua and Israel was, affected by the sin of Achan. The whole, the whole nation was affected by one man's Sin And so sometimes we suffer defeat, not because of what we've done, but because of the, the choices, the decisions, the failures of others. And sometimes we suffer defeat just, be, just because we live in a fallen world. And, and as Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulations, you will have trouble, but be of good courage. I have overcome the world. 
And, and so in the life of faith, every single one of us will suffer defeat. Well, let me just even say a little bit further, a little more basic, just in life, uh, there will be defeat. There, there will be challenges in life. Any person who does anything great, uh, either temporal things or eternal things for the kingdom of God, every single person that accomplishes anything will have to learn to overcome defeat. In fact, I have a few uh, reports of defeat here today, uh, just to encourage you. And uh, these are actually rejection letters. Anybody ever gotten a rejection letter? Uh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, let me give you a little encouragement. Here's some rejection letters of uh, famously successful people, okay? And uh, so this is a little bit of encouragement. This is a letter that was written to Jim Lee. Jim Lee was an artist and one of the founders of DC Comics. And before he was a founder or co-publisher of DC Comics, he submitted his comics to Marvel Comics uh, in an attempt to be an artist for Marvel. And, and here's their response to uh, Mr. Lee. It says, Dear Mr. Lee, your work looks as if it was done by four different people. Resubmit when your work is consistent and when you have learned to draw hands. <laughs> How many of you know hands are hard? It's hard. It was a, that was a defeat for Mr. Lee. Here's another letter, rejection letter, uh, for a little Irish uh, band. And, and here's what it says. Thank you for submitting your tape of U2 to RSO Records. We have listened with careful consideration, but feel it is not suitable for us at present. This was in 1979, two years before U2's breakout album. Here's another letter of defeat from the Museum of Modern Art. Dear Mr. Warhol, <laughs> last week... The museum's collection held its first meeting for the fall season and had a chance to study your drawing entitled Shoe, which you so generously offered as a gift to the museum. Uh, nevertheless, the committee has asked me to pass on, uh, I'm sorry, let me, um, I regret to report, I was trying to skip to the good part, I regret to report to you that the committee has decided after careful consideration that they ought not to accept it for our collection. Nevertheless, the committee has asked me to pass on to you their thanks for your generous expression of interest in our collection. P.S. The drawing may be picked up from the museum at your convenience. Andy Warhol, 1956. I read those to you because I, I, I uh, want you to understand that every person that accomplishes anything has to learn how to overcome defeat, has to learn how to press through some difficulties, some setbacks, some discouragement, some delays, some denials. And if you want to move into everything that God has for you, you're going to have to learn to overcome defeat. You're going to have to learn to press through difficulty. We could even say it this way, that, that for Jesus, the cross looked like a moment of defeat. For Jesus, or, or uh, for all of the, the, the bystanders and, and for all of his disciples, if they had looked at Jesus 
at the moment on the cross that would have looked like a moment of defeat. But in that moment, the Bible says that therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that's above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. In other words, it was through the defeat that he entered into his destiny. And if you and I want to fulfill the purpose, the plan, the destiny that God has for us, the road to your destiny will wind its way through some defeats along the way, through some discouragement along the way, through some moments where you're going to feel like Joshua felt when he said, God, why did you bring us into the promised land? We had it better over there. Have you ever found yourself in that place? Have you ever found yourself in a place where you feel like the very faith has been sucked out of the inside of you, where you feel like your prayers kind of come out of your mouth and dribble down your chin? Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? It's just, why have you forsaken me? i got to tell you, I've prayed some of those kinds of prayers. I'd love to tell you that all of my prayers are, are full of faith and power, but some of my some of my prayers have been filled with discouragement. Some of my prayers have been filled with frustration and difficulty. But here's the good news that I believe God is wanting to say to us through this story of Joshua and the battle at Ai that defeat does not have to define you. That defeat does not have to define you. Or if I could say it, a little more rhymy, that defeat does not have to lead to retreat. Defeat does not have to lead to retreat. That God does not want your defeat to define you. Forgive me for being cheesy, but it will stick with you more. God doesn't want your defeat to define you, but to refine you. To refine you. To strengthen you. To form you. To be the kind of person that can press through the difficult moments, to be the kind of church that can press through the difficult seasons. You know, everybody wants to be an overcomer, but not everybody wants to overcome. <laughs> everybody wants to go to the promised land, but not everybody wants to spend 40 years in the wilderness and then fight AI on the way. But it's in those moments that God is, is perfecting us, that He is working in us for his glory. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 37, 23 and 24, the steps of a good man, and I could add a good woman, are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Listen to this. Though he fall, anybody ever fallen? He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. In other words, God's goodness is greater than the badness of the problem that you find yourself in. God's power is greater than the powers that come against you. God's, God's love and grace and His, His goodwill towards you is greater than all of the problems that you face. Now, I believe God would say to Joshua, the promise is still in effect. My goodness is still in effect. My grace is still in effect. I'm still going to bring you into the destiny that I have for you. I don't know about you, but 
I wish life was always just smooth sailing. I wish life was just every morning. I, I wish I woke up just overwhelmed by the goodness of God. I remember a story from my grandmother one time. She woke up in the middle of the night. She smelled this aroma. She just knew it was the presence of God. She just began to thank the Lord and praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, you're here. She forgot it was actually the lotion that she had put on the night before. She said, Jesus got some, lo some good love out of that lotion. I wish I could tell you that, that every morning when I wake up, it's just the aroma of heaven. That's not always the case. Sometimes it feels like you smell the fires of hell. <laughs> but God is still good. God is still good. You know, even as a church, we've been through a season. Uh, most of you know, probably all of you know, a year ago we bought a building. Thank the Lord. God gave us a miraculous victory. And uh, 4th of July, last year, we gathered on that building, or on that property. We did a little groundbreaking. Who was there? How many of you thought we would be here in July of 2022? <laughs> we, we thought, we've got Jericho. We're on to AI now. But how many of you know there's, some, there's a process to God's purpose? There, there's some difficulty that you have to press through. And uh, for us, our AI has been... Uh, the, the building department and the permit process. And, and it felt like a delay that at times was a little bit of a denial. And, and sometimes it could be discouragement and sometimes it could make us feel defeated. But I'm glad to tell you today that God's goodness is greater than the slowness of the building department. And today we have a building permit. <laughs> we have a building permit. And, and here's what I, I want to say is that this is not about the building permit, and it's not even about the building. It's about the purpose that God has called us. I'm going to take, I'll, I'll have a photo op, JC, with the building permit, okay? We'll just take a, take a nice photo. Mark the moment. But here's what I, I want you to understand, that, that for us as a church, God is going to provide everything we need. The money will come. The, the opportunities, the open doors, everything we need will come. But what God is doing is not just about a building, it's about a people. God is shaping us. God is molding us. He's building us so that we will be able to fulfill the purpose that he has for us. You know, the Bible says about the children of Israel, God said, I'm going to drive out your enemies little by little. Who would love it if God just did everything at once? Wouldn't you love it if God just did everything at once? If God was going to do everything at once, he'd have to kill you, okay? That would be the fulfillment of it. But God's working in us to perfect us so that we can be uh, who he's called us to be. I love what one author says, that we are becoming who we shall be forever. And if God wants his church to be overcomers, we're going to have to overcome some things, but the goodness is still in effect. The promise is still in effect. I don't know what difficulty you may be facing today. Maybe it's a difficulty in your family. Maybe it's a difficulty in relationships. Maybe it's a difficulty like Marjorie shared in her, her work that things did not progress the way that she thought they would. I, I just want to declare over, to, over you today that the promise is still in effect. The purpose is still in effect. The plan is still in effect. The grace is still in effect. The goodness of God is still in effect. Because ultimately our destiny is not determined by defeat, but how we handle defeat. Your destiny is not determined by the defeat, but how you handle defeat. 
And here we find Joshua feeling defeated, feeling deflated. And God speaks to him. And I want to look at this passage of Scripture and just pull out a few things that I believe God wants us all to understand if we're going to overcome difficulty uh, when it comes into our life. The first thing I want you to look at, look at Joshua 8, 1 with me. Look at what it says. It says, now the Lord said to Joshua. If you have your Bible, just circle that word now. Everybody say now. Now the Lord said to Joshua. Now, God had spoken to Joshua previously, but God is speaking to him once again now. And I think that's instructive for every single one of us, that God wants us to live in the now. Uh, Or I could say it this way, that if you want to overcome defeat, you've got to stop living in the past The the author of Hebrews says it this way, that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is. In other words, it's not faith if it was just something for the past. What what is faith is for what we are facing now. And if we're going to move into what God has for us, and if we're going to overcome defeat, we've got to stop living in the past. Or I believe perhaps God would say it to Joshua this way, Joshua, that was then, this is now. Now, the Lord said to Joshua. I don't know about you, but the enemy loves to bring up all of my past mistakes. Anybody ever feel that way? You know, you may not be able to remember anything, but somehow when it comes to the mistakes you've made, you have total recall. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I have to tell you that for a long time, uh, every Sunday afternoon, every Sunday evening, and into half of Monday, I lived tormented, thinking, why in the world did I say that? Well, let me just say this right now. If you talk in front of people for any period of time, how many of you know at some point you're going to say some dumb stuff? (laughs) So let me just say that right now. I'm going to give you a little warning. Not everything that I say is straight from the mouth of God, okay? But I'm not going to live in turmoil ruin a day out of every week, agonizing. Oh my goodness, why did I say that? And here's what I've realized. Y'all don't remember it anyway. <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love to think to myself there at home, just play that again, play that again. I want to hear that word one more time. No, uh, but, but I could be at home and you have this in your own life, in your own world, in your own circumstances, that the enemy loves to remind you of your failures and shortcomings. I mean, it's like that little album that, the, that Apple or Google sends you. Anybody get those curated albums? You know, it's the, it's, uh, here's all your photos with water. Here's, here's you know, uh, your, your family photos, friendship photos. Anybody else get those? Maybe it's just some uh, setting I have set uh, on my phone. The enemy loves to send you a curated, beautiful, uh, you know, collage of all of the moments that you have failed in life. I I mean, you can lay in bed at night and just about the moment you're about to doze off to sleep, suddenly you have a notification that there is an album waiting for you. Here's all of the moments that you've failed. Here's all the dumb stuff you said. Here the... Uh, here's probably what they're thinking about you, and let me just set it to some real ominous, depressing music. 
Okay, that's how the enemy works in our lives. He loves to remind us of our failures. But, but the Bible says here, now the Lord said to Joshua. Now the Lord said to Joshua. I believe that what God was saying is this, that Joshua, your purpose is greater than your past. The purpose that I have for you is greater than the failures of the past. You see, all of us have past failures, but you'll never move into your purpose by looking towards your past. Have you ever noticed that race cars don't have rear view mirrors? Because you don't win the race by looking behind you. You move forward. And that's what God is saying to Joshua. Joshua, if you want to move into your destiny, if you want to overcome defeat, you've got to stop living in the past. The second thing I think the Lord is wanting to say to us as, he, as we look at this story of Joshua, he says uh, this, Joshua, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Now, I know that's totally irrelevant to the time that we live in. Fear is no longer a problem. In our culture, we are so progressive, we are so modernized that nobody deals with fear anymore. That's in a sarcasm font, okay? If you're taking notes, put that in sarcasm font. Uh, all of us face fear. We all face fear. And, and here's what God said to Joshua. Joshua, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. That word afraid means to flow as water. Or if we put that in our vernacular, it's uh, don't have a meltdown. Don't melt down. Dismayed means to lay down or break down. So God is saying to Joshua, Joshua, uh, I'm speaking to you, Joshua, don't melt down and don't break down. Pull yourself together. Or, or we could say it this way, if you want to move into the purpose of God, if you want to overcome defeat, you've got to learn to stand up to fear. You've got to learn to stand up to fear. This was actually a, a repetition of what God had said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, I believe it's verse 9, when he said, be strong and very courageous, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. How many of you know if God said that to Joshua twice, apparently Joshua had a tendency to fall into fear. And I don't know about you, but I have to just confess to you that I have a tendency to fall into fear. I have a tendency uh, to, to move out of the place of faith and to fall into fear, much like the, the apostles or Jesus' 12 disciples as they were in the boat and the storm starts to rage around them. And Jesus was, was in the boat taking a nap. If you need a life verse, that's a good life verse. Jesus took a nap, okay? If you get nothing out of this message, the word of the Lord for your Sunday afternoon is Jesus took a nap, Okay? But Jesus was there in the place of peace, in the place of rest. And they wake him up. Jesus, why aren't you freaking out? Jesus, don't you know? Jesus, are you not watching the weather radar? You obviously don't know what's happening. How, how many of you know when you remind Jesus of what's going on, it doesn't mean that he has forgotten. It's not because he's unaware. It's just because he actually knows something you don't know or that you should know, that even in the storm, he's still in charge. And so here God says uh, to, to Joshua, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. I'd encourage you sometime to take your Bible and look up all of the fear not verses in the Bible. Did you know that there's 365 fear not verses in the Bible? I'm not sure if this is a leap year or not, but on a leap year, 
look a little harder, or maybe you have one day, you can freak out. But what God is saying is every day, don't walk in fear. Uh, You know, some people have said this, and I know it's cheesy, but I think it's actually true and bears repeating that fear is, um, what's the acronym for fear? It slipped my mind. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Has anybody ever heard that before? False evidence appearing real. And for Joshua, that was true. Uh, He was basing his expectation about what would happen in AI based on what had happened in the past. He was forming a conclusion about his future based on his past. And what God is saying, I believe, is that we cannot live in the place of fear. You know, emotions are, are like muscles. You can train them. Emotions aren't bad, but emotions should not lead us. If I did what I felt like, most of the time I wouldn't get out of bed. It's probably true for all of us. That means if you're here today, you're already winning, okay? But, but so many times we base a future expectation off of a past uh, experience or maybe even someone else's past experience, and we shape our reality based on something that is not reality. And that's what Joshua was feeling. You see, ultimately, fear is rooted in, uh, it's like terror. Uh, the enemy is a terrorist. Do you know what a terrorist does? They, they attack somebody and try to make themselves appear stronger than they are in order to control that person. They don't actually have the power, they don't have the strength to control that person or control that society or control that nation or nations, but they try to present themselves as stronger than they are. And the enemy is a terrorist. How does the enemy work? He works through fear and terror. He works through fear and terror. In fact, the Bible says this, that the day will come that we will see Satan and we will say, is that the guy? Is that the guy that held the nations in, in turmoil and terror? Is that the guy that, that harassed us and kept us from moving into the purpose of God? Why? Because the enemy always plays to our fear. And, and the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. God's Purpose for your life will never be accomplished through fear. It will never be accomplished through fear. So God says to Joshua, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Then he goes on to say this. He says, take all the people of war with you. And so I would say it this way. Not only do we need to stop living in the past, not only do we need to stand up to fear, but also we've got to surround ourselves with people of faith. Surround yourself with people of faith. If you want to learn to overcome defeat, you've got to get people around you that will encourage your faith. People that will speak to the destiny that God has for you. I love what he says. Take all the people of war with you. And if you're going to move into the destiny that God has for you, you've got to have some people around you that can stand with you and fight the good fight of faith When you feel defeated, when you feel like you don't know what to do and you don't even know which way is up, you need somebody that can come alongside you, can take hold of you, can say, come on, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this moment. 
I, I, we have a guest here, a good friend, longtime family friend, Brenda Palmer, who has been a friend for decades now. And I remember a moment when Brenda went through probably the hardest thing in her life. Her husband, Mike, who is a NASA engineer, is that right? It's something above my pay grade. He did something way smarter than me. I remember a moment when he had a brain aneurysm. And, and I remember, I think, Brenda, we were maybe the first people you called after 911. Yep. And I remember I answered the phone. And I, I remember you, you were in the fight of your life. It was in the natural. It was a, a, a death sentence for Mike. There was no way in the natural that he would survive or that he would recover. But you called some other people, my mom, who is a, a friend and has been still a friend, and not just because you like book clubs and just because you like things in the natural, but you also knew that there was someone who could stand with you in the Spirit. And, of course, you and Mike have done that with my parents in some hard times as well over the years. But I, I say that as an example. I hadn't planned to say that, Brenda, but I just say that as an example to all of us that every single one of us need people in our lives that, that when we face hardships, when we face what the Apostle Paul calls the evil day, you have to have some people like Joshua needed some people of war in his life. You have to have some people that you can call, that you can say, I don't know what I'm going to do. It feels like the earth has fallen out from under me. Some people that will lift you up. The Bible says this, woe to those who are alone when they fall. They have no one to lift them up. And if you're going to overcome defeat to move into your destiny, you've got to surround yourself with people of faith. People that can remind you what God has said over your life. People that can remind you the words, the prophetic words, the dreams, the, the destiny that God has over your life. I, I believe this, that everything that God does is in community. God always works in community. Or we could say it this way, that His purpose is always accomplished through His people. God doesn't do anything in isolation. He always does it in community because it's a reflection of the nature of God. And so the enemy, one of the enemy's number one tactics is to pull you away from community so that you are vulnerable, so that he can attack you. But when we come together, when there's a sense of togetherness, a sense of unity, the very nature of God is released. The oneness that happens in community, although imperfect, but we come together as one. There is a, there is a power that is released. That's why uh, in the book of Genesis chapter 11, God had to come down and confuse the language of the Babylonians because he said this, that if any people speaking the same language set out to do anything, nothing will be withheld from them. That's the power of unity. That's the power of standing together. That's why house churches are so important. That's why it's so important that you're in community. It's great to come into an environment like this, and you can sense the presence of God in this environment. But if nobody has your phone number, if, if nobody checks on you, if you're not around, if nobody knows what's happening in your life, you will not stand in the evil day. You won't stand in difficulty. 
We've experienced that even recently in, in our house church, that, that we've seen people walk through horrible, difficult things, but we were able to gather around them. And, and I believe that's true for every one of us, that if, God, if we're going to move into the destiny of God, we've got to surround ourselves with people of faith, people that will speak to the purpose of God for our lives. So God says to Joshua, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to Ai. Listen to this. Then he says, see, I have given it into your hand. See, I have given it into your hand. Now, I don't know, but I, I can imagine Joshua said, uh, Lord, I'm not sure that you're looking at the right city. You say, you've given it into my hand. God, it's pretty tightly shut up. It's not in my hand. In fact, uh, they, they just defeated us. But God says, I want you to see in a different way. I don't want you to just see in the natural. I want you to see in the spirit. You see, all of us have uh, natural vision, but God wants us to live not just with natural vision, but with supernatural vision, with spiritual vision, that we would see with eyes of faith. And that means this, that if we're going to move into the purpose of God, if we're going to fulfill the destiny that God has for us, we've got to learn to shift our vision. We've got to shift our vision, not just seeing in the natural. We've got to learn to see in the Spirit. Even over the recent weeks as, as we were facing this challenge, and I know there's much greater challenges than the building permit season that we went through, but that was my AI for a little bit. And, and I, I was saying to the Lord, Lord, I thank you, God, that you have called us to this. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't start us in it and leave it. But God, I thank you that you're going to bring it to fulfillment. God, I thank you. I already was saying, I have the permits. Thank you, Lord. I have the permits. That's what God said to Joshua. See, I've given you the city. I want you to see through eyes of faith. In other words, let me say it this way. You've got to learn to see what God says. You've got to learn to see what God says in the spirit, even if it does not yet exist in the natural realm. You see, everything in the natural realm came from the invisible realm. Even this building, this building that we now see and stand in and is very much tangible was at some point in time invisible. It, it was a design. It was a purpose in the heart of an architect. Well, God has a purpose for your life. And if you cannot see what God says, you will never stand in what he says for your life. Because everything that he gives you, he gives to you by faith. That's the currency of the kingdom of God. It's the currency of the kingdom of heaven. Faith is what moves the hand of God. Then when you stand in the face of difficulty, in the face of, uh, of desperate circumstances, when you stand in a situation that in the natural does not look like at all what God has said your life would look like, but you say, let God be true and every man a liar. I'm going to believe the word of God. I'm going to believe what God says. And the Bible says that there are those that died not having received what they were believing God for, but they still died in faith. I believe this, that they have received what they were believing God for. And that every single one of us, when we live in faith, we will always receive what God has for us. 
That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that we walk by faith, not by sight. Is there an area in your life today that does not look like what God has said, your, His purpose and His plan is for your life? I want to encourage you, continue to stand on the Word of God. Continue to stand on what God has said. As God said to Joshua, See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. See what I have said. We've got to shift our vision in order to move into what God has for us. The last thing I want you to see is the worship team comes back up, and we're going to close here in just a few minutes. The last thing that we need to do if we're going to move through defeat, if we're going to overcome defeat. I want to skip down to verse 18. It says this, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, and I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out his spear that was in his hand toward the city. Stretch out your spear. Uh, it was a, a repetition of what God had said to Moses, lift up your rod. And as, as Moses lifted up his rod, God parted the Red Sea. As Moses lifted up his rod, God gave Israel the victory. And here God is saying to Joshua, Joshua, lift up your spear towards the city of Ai. Lift up your, your weapon, and as you lift up your weapon, you will release my power into your situation. As you lift up your weapon, as you do what you can do, you will activate the power of God to do what you cannot do. Now, the Apostle Paul knows what Joshua did not understand, and that is this, that ultimately we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't bring swords in here. Maybe some of you want to swing a sword or something like that. You don't need to do it, okay? If you want to swing it at home, swing it at home, but... He, it's not a physical battle, it's a spiritual battle. And so for us as New Testament believers, God is calling us to, to lift up our faith. Or I would say it this way, stretch your prayer. Stretch your prayer. Do, do what you can in order that God can do what you can't do. God said to Joshua, Joshua, stretch your spear. And, and I would say it this way, that God is calling us to be people that will release prayer as the tip of the spear to bring God's purpose to pass. For us as New Testament believers, I believe prayer is the tip of the spear. Prayer is the leading edge, the cutting edge that advances the purpose of God in our lives. And even when we don't see what God has said, we stretch our prayer. We extend our spear and we stand in the place of faith and we watch as God works on our behalf. And we see what God says come to fruition. That's why we gathered last Sunday night as a power prayer rally to lift up our voices and pray for God's purpose in the community that he's called us to. We're lifting up our spear. We are saying, God, we we know we don't have the strength, but God, we, we know that you do. And so we are extending that spear of faith. That's why sometimes I, I love to lovingly challenge some of us to pray a little bit of a warfare aggressive prayer. Because there will be a day for every one of us that we will face the attack of the enemy. And maybe you're there today. 
And maybe you have to learn to stand up to the enemy. You have to learn to extend that spear of faith and say, God, I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that your purpose will come to pass. And I believe that's the message that God wants to give every single one of us today, that defeat does not have to define you. God can use defeat to refine you, to strengthen your faith, to take you into everything that he has for you. In Jesus' name, would you stand to your feet today? Let's just lift up our hands this morning. You don't have any spears today, but we can...